Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. 3-2. Pebbles drill deep to left field. Going back choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! What is up? Welcome into Gap to Gap. This is the Breakdown Sports' baseball podcast. My name's Tommy Caroselli, and we're glad that you're joining us. Joining me is, well, firstly, El Jefe of the Breakdown Sports. It's Jordan Whitney. And we call him Seven. It's the real Seven Costanza. Gentlemen, I'm going to start with you, Jordan. What's going on, man? Not much, not much. Uh, excited to be recording. Big day today in baseball with basically every single team playing a night game tonight. So a lot going on on the screens right now. Seven, how about you, man? How you doing? Good. A uh, lot happened. I feel like uh, in the last like week or so in baseball, so excited to talk about it with you guys. Uh, it's, and I'm watching like four baseball games at the moment as well, so a lot to get to and a lot to digest. You know, you hit the nail on the head, Jordan. It's that beautiful time of year, and especially a night like tonight where you get home from work and you can pop on the, on the TV and there's just baseball everywhere. It's fantastic. So a little background for everybody. I'm from Cleveland. El Jefe is a Boston fan. Seven's a Yankees fan. So, I mean, luckily right now we're all towards the top of the standings. But that's where we're coming from. Uh, We're excited to bring this product to you and bring you a top-notch baseball podcast. We're going to start it off with this week in baseball. And we're going to start, we're going to stay with you guys in the AL East. Uh, The Rays, Tyler Glasnow, arm strain, or forearm strain, four to six weeks on the shelf, Seven, when you look at this Rays team, what do you think about how big of an impact does this injury have? This one is huge because the Rays are built around this rotation and whatever the openers are. Their their pitching staff in general is what's carrying them. And Tyler Glass now was the ERA leader uh, at the time of the injury when it happened on Friday against the Yankees on the 10th. Um, So when we think about like devastating injuries i feel like uh my yankees personally i I think thanos is the personal trainer there because they're playing with half a team but tyler glass now was like the linchpin of this whole organization's pitching staff um and when i see forearm strain because i've seen enough injuries this year with my team and i know what that means it usually points to something a lot more serious so i really hope it's only four to six weeks for him but um, if I'm being a realist, I think this is going to be a lot longer than four to six weeks. Jordan, who do you think, when you look at this Rays roster, who's got the ability to really step up or, or, or take the mantle that Glass now? Obviously, you got Blake Snell, but who takes the mantle now that Glass now is on the shelf? Yeah, it looks like they're going to have to uh, do something to bolster that starting rotation. They're already running with only four starters um, as they had demoted uh, Ryan Yarbrough who actually is one of the two players, most likely, to benefit from this trade. Um, they, they're not going to be able to run with just three stars, so they're going to have to figure something out. Uh, Yarbrough, as I mentioned, was demoted. He had an 8.1 ERA in the MLB before being sent down to AAA. Uh, had a really solid uh, first game down in AAA. Had like a 1.7 ERA in the game. Went 7-8 seven, eight, seven, eight innings. Uh, the other player that they have is Casey Sadler. Sadler's been in an opener and bullpen role. He pitches two to three innings at a time, but the question is whether he can actually be stretched out beyond that. He was previously a starter uh, during his time in the minors and in college, but he's been in this opener bullpen role for two years now for the Rays. Yeah, it's interesting to me. Just as a whole, what do you guys think of the opener? Because, you know, it, it really came onto the scene last year. I know Oakland's dabbled in it. Uh, the Rays are really the one that, that made it famous. What do you guys think of the, of the opener idea? I personally love it just because I think it gives lineups a different look uh, because typically the, 
teams will come in with film on the starting rotation and that's what they can get ready for. Um, to Jordan's point, it's a little different. Like you have guys like Sadler who, you know, they have started. They're now opening. They pitch two to three innings. They the Rays shuffle that around a lot though. There's numerous different guys. Stanek's another one that's an opener for them sometimes. So it gives a, a lot of uh, different looks to opposing teams. And especially when you're only pitching two to three innings, you can kind of let it loose, right? And these guys are bullpen arms by design, so they're throwing high velo, uh, good breaking balls, only one to two offerings, but still it keeps the lineup off balance for that first or second time through before you give away to someone that can give you some more length. And I, I've been impressed with it, and I've seen other teams do it. The Yankees are about to dabble in it because they just lost another pitcher. Uh, surprise, surprise. I've seen the A's do it. They did it last year in the wild card game against the Yankees. Probably not the smartest thing to do when a play-in game, but I think it's uh, it's definitely found its way into not the mainstream of baseball, but it's starting to get there as something that teams are starting to adopt. Yeah, the uh, Oakland did it against the Indians the other night, and uh, I had some people that you know don't follow the game as closely as we do text me like, "What's going on here?" And I I think it's great for the sport because then you get to see. You know, one, you can use a, a young bullpen arm that maybe you want to transition into a starter or and, and you hit the nail on the head. It just gives guys a different look. I think that's that, that's so fascinating. And I think it's just the evolution of the game that we've been seeing in the past few years. It's just continuing to just the games, the games evolving. I think it's awesome. So, again, sticking with the Rays. Are the Rays possibly a, a, a landing spot for Keuchel? If this is as serious as, as it seems to be, 4-6 to six and and potential Tommy John, should they go after him? What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I think he's a great person for them to target. I know that he has demands for what he feels his fair market value is in terms of free agency. But I think that this is something that the Rays should do. They still need another arm, regardless of whether he is able to come back. I don't think it's a bad thing for them to actually be able to have five starters. They can have five starters and still employ the opener strategy that they have. Uh, or it will allow their starters to be stretched further throughout the season without the wear and tear that they would if they are pitching seven-plus innings a game. Um, I really like Dallas Keuchel there. Unfortunately, as a Red Sox fan, it's wouldn't be very fun. The Rays are already doing extremely well with four starters. Uh, if they were to get a legitimate uh, fifth starter, if uh, they land Keuchel and Glasnow are actually able to come back, that'd be pretty wild. When you think, you know, you mentioned Keuchel uh, knowing his worth, do you think he would be the type of guy to come in and say, I'm not going to pitch with an opener. You know, we saw Mad Bum say it in the offseason. Do you think he'd be that type of guy? Yeah, I do. At this point, I, just because he's held out so long and he keeps going back this whole, I'm worth this and I won't budge. Um, I mean, it sounds, he's. I don't think he's arrogant. I think he's just confident. I think he just really wants to play, but he wants to play on his terms. Uh but yeah, I don't know. The Rays do it a little differently down there. So, and it's a winning team. It might change his mind a little bit. I know he's on the Astros, so he's used to winning recently. But if you can step into an organization like that uh, and be in that type of a race in the AL East, where you have the Red Sox and the Yankees both fighting now, it's uh, it's a little different dynamic than what he's used to. So I think he, I, I think he's a competitor. Uh, he won the Cy Young. Uh, he's definitely a good pitcher. But the thing is, his price, I mean, the Rays have the lowest payroll, and there's just no getting around it. Like, I don't know how they're going to afford him, because I also saw that they're flirting with Kimbrel now, too. Uh, they can barely afford the money to keep their fucking lights on in their stadium, let alone go out and sign a top-flight pitcher or two. So I'm just interested to see if he's going to budge on his price, A, and then B, if he's going to accept... You know, whatever role that the Rays put him in, whether it's a starter or he's going to mix with openers or however they want to do it. But I think it's great for the Rays. I just hope it's great for Dallas Keuchel, too. You mentioned Kimbrell. Do you think that, that Tampa would be a good spot for him or he he should hold out and, and find a better uh, area? I think it's a good spot uh, because the thing with Kimbrell, I mean, we're going to keep talking about this opener thing because it is so unique, but... And Jordan mentioned it earlier uh, before we started recording, but I think you could bring him in in a multitude of, of situations. He could be an opener for you for an inning. They did that with, um, I forget his name now, the closer last year. I think it was Sergio Romo. Uh, 
don't quote me on for that, Tampa. But... I think it was. You're right. right. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Uh, <laughs> I was worried there for a sec, but yeah, I think uh, it gives a, a different look. I think Kimbrel is a good enough pitcher where you can put him in a different high leverage situation, whether starting a game or closing a game. So yeah, I'm. I th- again, I, I don't know if they can afford both or, or even one of them if it comes down to their their asking price, but it's interesting. I think that Craig Kimbrell as an opener would be absolutely lethal. You get him out there sweating, the fucking sweat dripping off the brim of his hat, his forearms glistening, and he does that, the arm hang in the top. I of know, the I know for a fact you just Wild. imitated that. Oh yeah, you, you hear my chair <laughs> rolling as I did it. I can hear the beads of sweat hitting your keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I don't know. I, th- I think, yeah, Jordan. I, I'm not gonna get you know that uh, into it in terms of just imagining it. But I think uh, Kimbrel is definitely because he has amazing stuff, and he only pitches an inning usually anyway. So yeah, why not throw him in an opener or maybe a bridge or a setup or even close games? It's not like the Rays really have a true closer right now anyway. They kind of split it up between Alvarado and a couple other guys on the team. So. I don't know. Kevin Cash is a mad scientist, so it all comes down to how he wants to deploy his pitchers, and I'm all for it. All right, moving on from uh, the Rays, uh, Julio, Julio Urias currently listed on the administer or listed on administrative leave for seven days. He's ineligible to play uh, during an ongoing domestic violence situation. You know, the Dodgers list issued out that cookie cutter statement. You know, we get it every time something like this comes up. Uh, just in general. What are our thoughts on this, guys? Because I'm sick of seeing this stuff in the news. It's it's just sad. Uh, Seven, I'm going to turn to you first. What do you got? Yeah, uh, I mean, the MLB in general isn't really known as one of those leagues where this happens a lot, and I, and I hate to like make it seem that way, but we just don't hear it a lot in baseball. But I think recently, there, for some reason, there's been an uptick, and I don't know if it's uh, people standing up for themselves more and, and you know, Credit to the woman who was able to just kind of plead her case there. Um, I heard what happened. I don't know what to make of it from the Dodgers' statement. It sounds like they don't either. But, I mean, Arias, he has a lot of talent from what we hear. I've never actually seen them put it together. But for him to, I mean, he's still a young kid. He's pitching in different ways for the Dodgers. They still have high hopes for him. And for him to do something stupid like this, it's just, I, I don't understand it. I don't. I don't really know what his thought process is. And, you know, the Dodgers are deep enough where I don't think it will affect them from a team standpoint, but it's still a very dark cloud over them right now, in my opinion. Yeah, kind of just going off what uh, Seven had said, I totally agree with all of that. Um, It's not going to affect the Dodgers. Um, I do think that there has been an influx in these uh, investigations by the MLB in the last 10 or so years. Uh, within the last 10 years, there's been 11 players who have been investigated for domestic violence charges of various types. Uh, nine have been suspended, ranging from 15 up to 100 games, um, which it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, seems like there's still a lot up in the air with the areas as they just have him on the seven-day administrative list. I think it'll probably take a week or two before the MLB even comes out with any type of ruling. Well, that too, but the seven days can be extended. So, yeah. they're, they're, I mean, it, it's it's anyone's guess on how long he's actually going to be out. Uh, we saw the Cubs kind of handle it with a wait-and-see approach with Addison Russell with his situation. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I, I think a week is super conservative, uh, and I know that's what the designation is for. But I also don't know, and maybe Tommy or Jordan, you have the answer here, but I don't know if the MLB has a situation where it's similar, where first-time offenders get 15 games, or if they just kind of uh, make a, a, a snap decision about it when they see the facts. Uh, because I know in the case of like Roberto Ozuna, who, you know, there was video evidence and everything, and you know, he ended up missing, I believe, 80 games or... 75. 75. Um, so I, I don't know how they determine it, but if the evidence is strong against Urias, um, it's definitely going to be damaging to him. And again, not the Dodgers so much because the team's so deep, but the Dodgers in general, from a standpoint for public perception, it doesn't help. Um, so yeah, it's we'll see what happens. But I think Jordan, I think you're right. He's going to be out for uh, a lot more than seven days, maybe two weeks before a decision comes down, and then we'll see what the actual ruling is. Yeah. So it's worth noting here: uh, there was no official policy on domestic violence. 
until August of 2015. Uh, and that's when those 11 investigations have since occurred from. Uh, before then, there was 10 instances of domestic violence where they were arrested or accused of it, uh, but no investigation or suspended. And there's actually some pretty notable names in here with Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds, Bobby Cox, Will Cordero uh, among that list. Um, so I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Seven. It's a dark cloud over the Dodgers, and it's just it's, it's a bad look for the game of baseball right now. Um, you know, Derek Norris, the remainder of the season, 100 games for Jose Torres. You mentioned Ozuna's 75, and then uh, – Hector Oliveira, 82 games. I, I think, going back to your point, it's kind of a case-by-case thing. There's not really a minimum or a maximum or a first offender, repeat offender. Um, it's 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 just so, it's so hard to talk about this stuff because it's, like, obviously nobody's going to try and defend the dude. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, there, There's a lot of stuff that goes into how the MLB dictates the rulings of it, I guess. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see again, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I hope the list doesn't keep growing. That's not, not something you want to see. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But, you know, all, all that aside, I mean, the Dodgers should be fine. They have a deep rotation. They have plenty of options to go to. Moving past that, uh, we, we on a much more positive note, Edwin <laughs> Jackson uh, acquired by the Blue Jays this week from Oakland uh, for cast consideration. It's his 14th team over his uh, Major League Baseball career. A 16-year career, 14 teams. Guy just bounces around. Why hasn't Edwin Jackson been able to find a home that he sticks to? <sighs> Jordan, do you want to start this one off? Uh, sure. There's nothing really redeeming about Edwin Jackson. Good turn. <laughs> Guy threw a no-hitter. With nine yeah, walks. Point. He did. Yeah, sure. He locked <laughs> the whole team. He <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, impressive that he was able to throw a no-hitter from the stretch the majority of the time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, uh, if there's one takeaway there, I mean, Edwin Jackson to me is the most average pitcher in the fucking league. I, like, I, there's someone I, I would get least like less excited about. He is just, he's so pedestrian. And I mean, 14 mm-hmm. teams in 16 years, that kind of speaks volumes about the kind of guy you're getting. The game score, uh for Edwin Jackson in that no-no was an 85. I don't, are you guys familiar with the game score stat? I am, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, it's a cool stat, but I don't know how he got an 85 with that. I, I know because it's a no-hitter, but, I mean, Jesus Christ, his whip must have been through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his whip, I mean, actually just shy of one because he had eight wow. walks in nine innings. That's right. Okay, yeah, so no cool. hits, so, yeah, Jesus. Jeez. Ugh. Yeah, that's that's a pathetic no hitter. Jeff Neiman in that same game went seven and a third, six hits, one run, two walks, and had a game score of sixty eight. <laughs> what? All right, yeah, uh, whatever. Game score is for the birds, in my opinion. I don't know how they calculate it, to be honest, but I see it every time. In my, I can uh, go through it if head. you want. Uh, yeah, briefly, please, because I don't uh, know how deep we want to get into game score. <laughs> so you start at fifty. You get one point for each out you get. So then for every inning, it's three. Uh, two points for each inning you complete after the fourth. One point uh, for each strikeout. You take away two points, subtract two points for each hit, four points for each earned run, two for an unearned, and one for a walk. This sounds like a game Ben Wyatt would make up in Parks and Recreation. This is, <laughs> that is the dumbest algorithm I've ever heard. That's like the cones of Dunshire for fucking baseball, but good good for game score. I'm glad according to game score, a good one. According to game score, the most perfect game ever thrown wasn't a perfect game. It was uh, oh shoot, I'm blanking on his name. Cubs, twenty one strikeouts. Kerry Wood. Kerry Woods, twenty one. Yeah. It was that. It was that twenty one strikeout game. That was the most perfect game according to game score. Of course. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it okay. was pretty amazing. 21 strikeouts is pretty awesome. So, uh, I mean, I think All right. it's, it's a moving, good game. Moving away from my garbage stat, apparently. <laughs> um, some other notable nomads that you guys put in the rundown here. Matt Stairs, 12 teams. Octavio Dotel, 13 teams. Do you guys, I mean, obviously these two are the two that came to mind. Who's your favorite nomad 
of all time. We go Edwin Jackson, Matt Stairs, Octavio Dotel, anybody else that comes to mind? I want to hit on Matt Stairs because this guy looks like he does not look like he should have been a professional baseball player, let alone a professional athlete. He has a gut like Philadelphia Collins from Trailer Park Boys. He has that weird little like biker goatee. He looks like he just crushes like natty lights in the in the dugout before he gets up to bat. However, we do have to touch on Matt Stairs. He's in the history books. He has the major league record for the most pinch hit home runs with 23. And Jordan, was it you or Tommy? Uh, he had a great nickname too. The Wonder Hamster. Wonder Hamster. Mm. That was it. But yeah, he was such a great pinch hitter that he got the nickname professional hitter too. So uh, Matt Stairs is my professional hitter. I I was watching his highlights when I was looking him up earlier. He did have a graceful swing for as flawed as he looked as a human. For as flawed as he looked <laughs> as a human. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. This guy looks like a, he's, he's a beer league softball player. And he's hitting bombs in the playoffs. But good for Matt Stairs. Hell of a guy. Oh, that was the best thing. <laughs> what about uh, you, Seven? Any notable nomads? I just yeah. gave you one. I think Jordan's up. Oh, I'm sorry, Jordan. My fault. I got one for you. Will Ferrell. What? Will, <laughs> Will Ferrell. <laughs> played for 10 teams. In one day. Oh. That is one correct. Day. That's true. Yeah. Oh, All nine God. positions and third base coach. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that's right. I remember that now. But uh, on a more uh, serious note, Bartolo Colon. Just so fun every year, seeing him come exactly. back at 40, 41, 42, 43, always with new teams to love it. One career home run. Yeah, don't. I mean, that was actually uh, almost a year ago today, I believe, or it might have been a little earlier, but when he hit that mammoth shot at Petco Park, that was um, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, Big Sexy. I, I love Big Sexy. Good guy. And as a former Indian, I'm very he was he was slim sexy then. Yeah, he was. Um, slim oh sexy. yeah. I I loved career. Bartolo. When I was young, I loved Bartolo. Was that the first team he played for? No, uh, it was the Expos, I think. Yeah, the Expos. Okay, yeah, Expos. Okay. Uh late late breaking news into the pod. Seven, your Yankees get an, another body. I'm just going to I'm not even going to say player. <laughs> another body. Kendry Morales acquired from Oakland for cash. I'll tell you what, I, Billy Bean's not there anymore, but between Edwin Jackson and Kendry's Morales, uh, they're stocking the vending machines out there in the Coliseum. Yeah, um, Kendry's Morales. So, Tommy, you put it great. They got a body, uh, not even a full body, because he has, like, one knee at this point in his career. So they gave cash considerations. Um, I'm pretty sure there was something else. They might have thrown in a washing machine, all out Will Ferrell, um, because this guy – uh, I haven't seen him produce, and I know he's like was on teams before. I haven't seen him produce since like what, like five years uh, since he was on the Angels. I would say, yeah, when he had that gruesome injury. Um, yeah, and he was Kendry then. He wasn't even Kendry, so uh, <laughs> doesn't even count. Yeah, doesn't. Even, yeah, I don't even know who this guy is anymore. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's gonna get a chance. The Yankees seem to just drop like flies. Andy Warr just went on the deal again, so. There's definitely spots in that lineup for him to strut his stuff, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I'm not excited about it. It's a, it's a body. Yeah, it's, they got Logan Morrison too. Whoop de doo. So good for the Yankees. I guess they're just adding people to have a full team because I think they're out of AAA players at this point. He's been in the league 13 years. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't seem right to me. Well, I think it's. Uh, I don't know. I can't. Well, again. Was it 13 years as Ken Driss or Ken Drew? Because he's only been in the league as Ken Driss for, what, like seven? Seven, yeah, probably. Yeah. So something to think about there. The guy doesn't even know who he is. <laughs> Jordan, what do you think of this trade? Doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, yeah. Was honestly, was he what, DFA'd? Yeah, DFA'd and then yeah. traded. Eh, I mean, whatever. Um, we'll see what he does, uh, if much at all. I'm sure it's nice for them to have an additional person when whoever the next person they have with an infected toenail or some other MRSA, some other weird disease <laughs> or Jeez. something that a Yankees player comes down with. But uh, good for them. Kendrick Morales, it's going gonna, it's gonna to write the ship. Yeah. <laughs> that was the piece we needed, boys. Now is our World Series run. 
Oh my god, yeah. Kendrick Morales, the missing link. Oh my god. Alright, gents, let's get to some segments. Let's start with buy or sell. Shohei Otani coming back finally after say his seven months after his Tommy John surgery. Not throwing, just DHing for now. What can we expect the rest of the season? Do you guys think he can stay healthy? I'll, we'll just buy or sell. He plays in over 80% of the remaining games. I'll take this one first. Um, I'm going to sell this one. Uh, I not only have doubts about how he can stay healthy, but also how much the Angels are going to rest him. They should rest him. It makes sense to rest one of your premier players, player that you had really high hopes for. Um when they are coming back from Tommy John surgery, so I think it's going to be tough for him to play four out of the next four out of every five games. I think that he's going to see a lot of rest. Um, I would not be surprised if he plays closer to three and a half of every five games. He ends up somewhere around like the seventy percent mark, um, and I think he's going to have some other injuries before he went out last season with with uh, what ended up being his Tommy John surgery. He was still getting banged up and nicked, and he was getting blisters and he was taking time off the mound and then he wouldn't hit for a week or two because his shoulder would bother him he's had a lot going on um i think it's going to take some time for him to get used to the rigors of playing in the mlb uh, and playing a 162 game season and i don't think that this is the year that the angels are going to push him yeah i I, i'm going to sell it just and jordan you brought up great points for me i i just don't like him i (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Something about I, I I don't I don't know I I'm not I'm not a Otani fan. Um, I hated the fanfare he got when he was coming over here. I think I hate it because he spurned the Yankees a little bit. But um, yeah, the whole thing like I, he wants to pitch, he wants to hit. Uh, dude, so far it hasn't worked out. Um, he he was getting those ticky tack injuries with the blisters and everything. He was taking time off. Uh, the Tommy John surgery. I know it's different for position players coming back. But I'm selling him just because I think those injuries are going to creep up. I don't think he's going to have a problem if he's healthy to play his position, which at this point is DH. Um, unless, you know, for some reason that UCL isn't healed up properly, I, I don't think it would affect his swing too, too much. But I'm just selling it because I, I, I'm with Jordan. I think there's going to be more injuries to come. Uh, I don't think he's conditioned as well as he should be. To me, he just seems like someone who's just never going to be healthy. He's going to be one of those guys that we're always kind of holding our breath to hope that he can make it a full season, which to this point hasn't worked out. And yeah, the MLB is a lot different than Japan. So we'll see how he adjusts um, with the remainder of the season. But yeah, I'm selling him big. So I'm going to buy this one. And the reason being is I think that as long as he's not pitching and he's you're just a dh you are for all intents and purposes david ortiz you're not gonna play the field Mm -hmm. you're not you're not gonna uh not gonna throw you're just gonna show up every day and swing it and i think that those ticky tack injuries of blisters are gonna get reduced he's not gonna be throwing so i don't think he's gonna have to deal with anything uh with the arm the only thing you might have to worry about is a leg injury running the bases, I think, or an oblique or something like that. And I think that he's conditioned enough to, to be able to deal with that because all of the those major things we saw last year with him missing time came from the mound and and, and pitching-type injuries. So I think he'll be able to, to withstand just showing up to the park and hitting every day. I'm buying it. So I think, I mean, those are good reasons, but we got to remember this is baseball and there's wacky injuries all the time. Fair. Um, so we have to remember, like, that's that's a big one because Blake Snell broke his toe moving something in his bathroom. So Quote, unquote. Who's to say Shoei, <laughs> <laughs> who's to say Shoei Otani uh, doesn't, you know, get a concussion brushing his teeth. So we, we can't. <laughs> Just thinking about the logistics of that. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, it could happen. Uh, this is baseball, after all. The injuries in this sport are ridiculous sometimes. So, But, yeah, um, I do respect your opinion. I just I don't like him. So not to say I hope he gets hurt again, but if he gets hurt, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise me, but if I had to put money one way or the other, and, like gun to my head, you got to put money on it, I would say he'll, he'll be able to show up to the yard and rake all year. All right, let's move on to the fantasy corner. Uh, Jordan, this is your spot, man. What do you got? 
Yeah, so another great write-up this week from Joe Caruso over at TheBreakdownSports.com. Be sure to check that out. Every week, Joe breaks down top hitters, the top pitchers, players to watch, and then any notable injuries that occurred in the last week to 10 days. Uh, for this week, two players that I want to highlight, uh, one hitter and, er, and one pitcher, Lucas Giolito, the pitcher for the White Sox. Last week, he had two starts in which he went 14 innings combined, had got a, nodded a win in both of them. So he had two wins, he had a .63 ERA and a .77 whip. When you're pitching for the Chicago White Sox and you can go out and win two games in a week, right on you, man. Uh, definitely look to... Pick up Giolito if he is not rostered in your league. Uh, he is one of the better pitchers and one of the better players that the White Sox have. So I definitely look to add him. Uh, next one that we had, and seems fitting with us just passing Mother's Day, that we mentioned Josh Bell. On Mother's Day, Bell had a home run with five RBIs, all while having his mother in attendance after he invited her to the game. Um, in the last week, overall, he batted just under 500. I think it was around the 470 mark. He had two home runs and nine RBIs. Uh, for someone at first base, there's tons of first basemen out there in the fantasy world. However, with Bell doing this well as of late and a lot of injuries coming to those corner infielders, might be worth checking out in your league. Uh, players to watch this week that Joe had outlined. I'll talk on two of them. First one, Malik Smith. Uh, Smith started the year real bad. Uh, he was highly touted as one of the um, best players that the Mariners were going to have. Um, he was incredibly fast um, and did very well. Uh, they expected him to have roughly 40 uh, stolen bases, if not more. Uh, he comes into the bigs, and he could not hit the broadside of a barn. He was batting in the low hundreds, uh, really just struggling. They ended up sending him back down. Uh, however, he's already back up. Um, look to add him. He went down and started doing very well in AAA, uh, and we might actually see him start to produce more. He could, he's realistically could have a batting average closer to the 250 mark, uh, and with his speed, you can see him getting 25, 30 stolen bases as long as he's able to stay in the big leagues. Uh, next player that I want to bring up is Ramiel Tapia. He's the utility outfielder for the Rockies. He's played really well this year. Uh, young player, was highly talked about as the Rockies lost. Uh, Gio Gonzalez. Nope, Carlos Gonzalez. Sorry. Uh, as well as a couple, couple other their depth outfield players. Uh, so for them, they really were expecting a lot from him. And he's produced well. He has five home runs on the year, about 20 RBIs, and he's batting over 300. Um, he's been really hot over the last seven days. He's batting over 500 and has three doubles. Uh, definitely someone you should look to add if you need a utility player. He's just a good stopgap. He's only owned in 15% of the leagues, and I would definitely recommend taking a look at him. Um, for me personally, I'm a little bit irritated with season-long fantasy. I had players like Trey Turner, uh, Aaron Judge, who I lost almost immediately. I had Chris Archer throwing balls at people's head and getting suspended, and then he's now on the DL. Just a really tough time with these injuries. I'm over it. I decided I wanted to check out some type of DFS. Uh, I ended up landing on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new prop betting based lineup game. Think daily fantasy sports, but you combine it with prop bets. The concept is simple. Choose an over and under for a player's given stats. For baseball, think hits, runs, or ribbies. If you combine one of the highest scoring lineups for the night, you cash in. Thrive Fantasy is located on the Apple and Google Play Store for download on your mobile device, as well as at thrivefantasy.com. For the month of May, you can receive a free $10 match when you deposit $10 through PayPal. Whether you're looking to play $2 games or up to $100 games, Thrive Fantasy has a match for you. Use our code BREAKDOWN, B-R-K-D-W-N, and receive $10 free when you deposit $10 through PayPal. Thrive Fantasy, prop up with us. I'll tell you what, uh... I kind of had the same experience as you with year-long fantasy leagues, and I have had it. This was the the last. I, I told myself that, you know, we had a breakdown uh, fantasy league going. I said, all right, I'm going to give it one more chance. And I am currently in ninth out of ten, and I'm done with I'm done with fantasy. And I'm just playing. I'm just playing Thrive from now on. 
Yeah, I'm in a league with Brendan. Uh, right now, I think my team is 1-4, 1-5. I don't even know how many weeks I've played. Uh, yesterday, <laughs> I forgot to start three starters who all were pitching. So, Beauty. good on me. Um, clearly not in this for the season long. Uh, good thing it was only a $50 entry. So, Jeff, you'll uh, get your money soon. Yeah, I got to <laughs> give a shout-out to the uh, Russ Cole Fantasy Club. So, uh <laughs> Yeah, that's a uh, that's a fun league, um, Jordan. I'm sorry about your team, but uh, I can't complain right now. My year long fantasy team is still holding true. How you doing in Thrive though? Not so good. <laughs> but <laughs> but the good, I mean the good news there is I can switch it every day, so it's uh, it's daily, so I can do whatever I want there. Um, so yeah, but I got to improve that that uh, fantasy aspect of my game. All right, let's get into the batter's box. Uh, our our weekly segment showcasing one maybe two hitters a week. Um, and just, you know, we just let it eat. And today, George Springer is that guy. Guy's slashing 434, 887, 1371 over the last two weeks, or just just over the last two weeks. Uh, unreal on Springer, guys. Yeah, for sure. And I know, like, it, this isn't a big surprise, right? George Springer is one of the best hitters in the game, and we kind of know that. But when we look at his numbers and the 434 average is great but i'm keying in on 17 runs scored so not only is this guy getting on base at a crazy clip right now but he's coming around to score he's making things happen he's a smart base runner only one stolen base too so that just shows me that he's in the right place at the right right time and he's running the base as well um 16 rbis seven home runs I, the guy's unstoppable right now. He's not striking out a lot as well, and that was one of the big red flags with George Springer in the past. He would strike out way too often. Only seven Ks in the last two plus weeks, uh, six walks. So uh, I'm loving everything about him right now. He's slugging 887 OPS over one. Uh, the guy is just unstoppable right now. So yeah, I, I, and the Astros. Of course, I mean, they started out not poorly, but we all were waiting for them to turn it on, and they've definitely turned it on. I think Springer is the catalyst for what's going on right now in in Houston. Yeah, going off what you said, the strikeout numbers are down, which is nice to see. I think he had a little bit of a tougher time with that uh, last year. He had, actually, no, it was a few years ago. It was his first full year where he played the complete season. He had almost 200 strikeouts. I don't think we're going to be seeing that this year. He's definitely getting bat on the ball a lot more frequently, batting over 300, which, as you mentioned, great to see. Um, just love that he's getting on base as frequently as he is. Here he is over 50 hits on the season, 40 games into the year, which is great pace mm-hmm. uh, over a hit per game, which is something you love to see. Uh, especially for a player who the Astros relied on so heavily when they made their championship run. I don't know why, and this is just the weirdest thing ever, I always thought that his name was Matt. What? Like, Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> George, Matt, doesn't matter. The guy's raking right now. So Yeah, because I, I, I just knew I, I, I would never call him by his first name. It was just Springer, Springer, Springer's tearing it up in, in Houston. He's tearing it up here. He's hitting the cover off the ball. Always thought his name was Matt. And just so, like, looking at it on our rundown, George is just throwing me off right now. George likes so his good. chicken spicy. <laughs> Georgie likes. Uh, I would like to just explain for the, to the listeners what happened. As Tommy started to speak, Brendan and I both had our microphones muted. As soon as he said his name was Matt, you saw us both fighting to bang on our unmute button. Yep. And that's Tommy's dumb take of the day. I'm sure there'll be more with this. <laughs> Long season, so yeah, I can expect more, I'm sure. All right. Moving on from that idiocy to the call to the pen, it's basically the same thing as the batter's box. We're going to highlight a pitcher. Today, it's hard not to go against uh, the guy that throws a no-hitter. Mike Fires uh, throwing his second no-hitter of his career. Uh, 131 pitches, not bad. What do you guys think uh, about Mike Fires right now? Yeah, uh, Mike Fires, so interesting case. Uh, His ERA was like north of six going into this game. Through the no-hitter, it's still down to five. Uh, things didn't go his way in his next start, uh, which just happened, I believe, Monday. <laughs> Gave up a leadoff home run to Mitch Hanniger, so uh, clearly that he took that into the next game. But, no, I, I think uh, it's good to congratulate a guy like Fires. Um, I, you know, 
All all respect to him. He has two no hitters now, which is pretty cool. Um, playing for the A's, he's been on a few teams as well. But you know, Mike Fires is a guy who's not going to blow you away. I don't think he has the greatest stuff. Uh, he is hittable. It's just kind of a coincidence he has two now, two no hitters. That is. Um, also, be sure to only congratulate Mike Fires on Twitter. Don't ever criticize him because he'll block you because he's a mental midget. So, uh, Mike, if you're listening, great job, buddy. Uh, you can unblock me whenever you're ready. <laughs> all right just uh, real quick real quick on that before we before we get into more mike fires hot terror real quick who's your best or proudest block on twitter right now huh michael rapaport that was yeah that's a good one and uh um, that's a good one yeah yeah i i was uh actually pretty happy when that happened i'm not gonna lie because that guy sucks but yeah fires is a close second mine's marcus stroman guy's softer than baby shit <laughs> I'm nice yeah. to people on Twitter, so I'm actually never been blocked. I didn't. I didn't say. I never added Strowman. I really? never added him once. He. I had the audacity to say, or I responded to an article that said that he ha- that is like the article title was Marcus Strowman has the swag and sauce of a modern day Griffey. No. And I said I just basically I I just said no. This is a terrible article. No. About a year year later, I found out I was blocked. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm glad Strowman can uh, take some criticism. Also, While we're on the subject of Strowman, uh, did either of you catch what he had? Uh, I guess he like quote tweeted at Bauer about the death threats. Yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, he's a, he's a dummy. I, I th- you're gonna get me triggered on Strowman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so Bauer comes out. For those that don't know, Bauer comes out and posts some of the the people in his Instagram DMs and says, "Hey, like." These are some of the death threats I've gotten because I didn't pitch well. Like, we need to cool it with this stuff and be better as fans. And Strowman's like, oh, that's nothing compared to some of the stuff I've got. Like, cool that your death threats are more intense. That's real fucking cool, Marcus. Marcus Strowman is a piece of shit, too. Because there was a story that came out earlier in the year before the season started uh, I don't know if he was abusing his dog, but he did something with his ears or something. I don't know. It was, it was a w- weird picture of his dog. The dog was not having a good time. Strowman is, for all intents and purposes, a mental midget and an asshole. So, um, yeah, I don't care. I, I hope he blocks me next, too. And he doesn't even have my Twitter handle. So, <laughs> yeah. You want to plug that right now, at the real 7 Costanza? Or... <laughs> yes, please. At real 7 Costanza. Marcus, I'm here. All right, let's dive into the betting breakdown. Um, it's what trends are we noticing? What are we seeing? And, and this is mainly Jordan because his at Gordon Von Denham is just churning out the hits when it comes to betting wins. So if you're not following, go ahead and do that. Make yourself some cash. Jordan, what are you seeing right now? Yeah, uh, so one of my favorites as of late has been looking at the first game of the series. Um, first game series stats, which as we know, g- games are typically played in three to four game series. It's n- interesting to see some of the trends that are starting to form. The Nationals, in addition to struggling across the board, are really struggling in the first game of the series. Uh, they're two and eleven. Uh, nope, I can officially say they're two and twelve. They are two and twelve. If you bet a hundred dollars against them in the first game of the series, you would net. Uh, hold on. It is now up to about 1315, 1350, um, which is lunacy. They cannot win the first game of a series, which is rather interesting. Uh, the teams I see up at the top of the board for first game of the series is are your likely suspects. Dodgers, Astros, um, Rays. Obviously, those are the teams winning the most games. But I just figured the Nats being 2-11. and 11, uh, or now two and twelve was pretty interesting. The Mariners are thirteen one and one to the over in the first game of the series. Um, this was a big trend hmm. across the board that the Mariners were just hitting the over at a incredible clip. I think right now it's still about seventy percent. However, in the last week or two, you've noticed that their production at the plate has dipped. Uh, so while that has happened, playing them playing the over in a Mariners game. In the first game of the series is very much profitable. Uh, as I mentioned that, let's see if the game has started. About to kick off uh, the against the 
A's, and this is the first game of the series, and they are... Oh, no, sorry, they played last night. Take that back, but Mariners 13-1-1 to the over in the first game of the series. Another one that I personally want to bring up is the Coors Field over. This is something we talk about often, is baseball is just launching into space when you play at Coors Field. Coors Field, near and dear to my heart. Uh, I lived a block away. Uh, for the first year that I lived in Denver, moved to a nice little neighborhood now, so not quite as close, but still very fun to head out to Rockies games. It's 13-7 and seven to the over uh, this season, but what's most interesting to me is how different that is than NFL. In NFL, I have something that I call the Peyton, uh, Peyton Manning theory. Since, leave, since Peyton Manning retired, the Broncos have had their total scores fall to the under at like a... 65 70% clip, which is outrageous. This past season, it was 1 in 7 uh, to the over, meaning 7 of their 8 home games, the total went under. Um, just two trends that I'm really interested in right now. And I appreciate the plug on my picks. I just started getting back into it again today. I was out on vacation all weekend. Uh, right now, as we record this, I sit at 3 1 and 1. Uh, four one and one, five one and one. Shit. All right, like that. Five <laughs> one and one. So we will see how I hopefully can keep it rolling. Check me out on Twitter at Gordon Von Denham. I am posting all of my plays on the Breakdown Sports Twitter as well. Tommy, any trends you see? Uh, for me, I like lo- looking to see how teams do at home. Um, to me, the Dodgers are tops right now. Uh, they're seventeen and six at home. Uh, against the run line, or I'm sorry, in total. Um, and they're playing well against the run line in those games as well. The Astros also up there, 16-4. and four. Uh, I mean, to me, home field advantage, disadvantage is is one of the, my go-tos when I look at betting. So the Dodgers and the Astros uh, leading the way in that. When you look at the bottom of that, uh, the teams you kind of expect to be down there, uh, Marlins, Orioles, Nationals, they're bringing up the rear. Uh, I don't know. I always, I like I said, I look to see who's who's playing well at home because I think that's one of the easiest bets for money line is who's playing well in their ballpark. Uh, just what, since we're talking about home, might as well pull up some away stats here. Um, looking at the away stats, the Rangers and Royals are interestingly enough bringing up the rear. I'm kind of shocked about the Rangers. Rangers have been fairly average this season. However, when they're away from home, let's see, I have it right here. When they are away, the Rangers are 5-14. and 14. Uh, So not doing too well away from that Texas heat there. Uh, what I found to be interesting is the teams that do the best on the road. Uh, Rays, you expect them being up there. However, the Diamondbacks are one of the top teams in the league uh, playing away. I think that's really interesting because they have fairly good home field advantage. They have got a nice, quiet no fans around, air-conditioned stadium <laughs> that they're playing in. Um, other teams that are doing successful on the road, Twins, Yankees, uh, Padres as well. Padres is interesting to see as we, as a team, we're a little hesitant on to what to expect from them this year. And as we wrap things up, I mean, first of all, tops. I, Jordan, your array of gambling knowledge never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, as we will always do here on Gap to Gap, we're going to go out on our hot takes of the week. Uh, We'll be keeping track of these throughout the year. Uh, Jordan, you want to start us off. What's your hot take of the week? Yeah, my hot take of the week, uh, and it's holding up fairly well as he's doing well in the game today. Uh, Michael Chavez to win the AL Rookie of the Year. Coming into the year, um, if you were able to find this out there, you probably would have put some money down on Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, Maybe you would have looked at Brandon Lowe, the guy for uh, Tampa Bay. Um, But who I really like is now Michael Chavez for the Red Sox. He's really helped turn things around where the Red Sox desperately needed him. Chavez plays second first and third so he fits into a lot of the areas where the Red Sox are thin right now the worry for me is that Chavez unfortunately gets sent down in the event that Brock Holt uh, Devers um, who else we got Pedroia on the IL if those three come back and they decide that they don't need Chavez or they need to bolster the 
pitching rotation, I'm worried that he goes back down to AAA. Uh, while he's been in the MLB, though, the dude is absolutely raking. He's coming in with close to a he's at, at about 280 batting average, which is great to see. He's hit six home runs. Uh, I think he may have hit, possibly hit his seventh today. Yep, he hit his seventh today, uh, and he has 20 RBIs on the season. So for a guy who's only played 20 games, he's had 20 RBIs, and he's not striking out a ton. He has about a strikeout a game, but for a player who's just up there taking cuts and seeing good pitches and honestly mashing the ball, I'll take 20 strikeouts. Seven, you got a hot take here? I do. It's uh, more of a bold prediction for a season, but... (sighs) I, I kind of want to walk it back now, but I, I got to stay with it. I think Cody Bellinger is going to get the triple crown. Um, I know he's had some weird shoulder injuries, and Dave Roberts doesn't really know how to manage a team, so we'll see how it works out. But Bellinger's still hitting over 400. Um, I know it's very early in the season, but you know, getting to the middle of May and you're still hitting 400 and over 400 is pretty impressive. Uh, so he's he's clearly leading there in the league. Um, He's in a three-way tie right now for RBIs, but I think as long as he's hitting the ball and the ball's in play, there's a good chance he's going to drive people home. So uh, I like that one. The home runs, I, I mean, we saw him hitting nukes earlier, so I'm sure he can get back into form there. So I just think if he keeps this up, and I think he can, it looks like he's a different player than what he was last year when he had all those struggles. I think Ballinger can actually do this. I am a little concerned that Kristen Yelich is also playing baseball at the same time as him. Um, but <laughs> and that's the only reason I want to walk it back a little bit. But I think uh, Bellinger has as good a shot as anyone has, and you know, since the last Triple Crown, to actually do this. So I'm pulling for him. Uh, I really hope it works out because I think it'd be cool just to see a Triple Crown come out again. All right, I'll wrap up on mine and uh, somebody you've probably never even heard of, Jordan Luplo of the Cleveland Indians. For we. Indians acquired him this year from the Pirates. Um, he hit his third and fourth home runs today. So this is 100% knee-jerk. But if MLB had an award, I think he will win the, our breakdown MLB breakout player of the, week, of the year. Uh, Luplo currently hitting 267, but with those two bombs today, ups his OPS to ju- 899, just shy of 900. Ooh, um, yeah. Hit home runs three and four today. He's going to see more consistent time with Tyler Naquin hitting the DL yesterday. Um, So I really, really, really like Jordan Luplo and his ability to uh, be a plug in this Indians outfield. And even though we pulled up Oscar Mercado today, uh, who really played well in AAA Columbus, uh, I like Luplo to be a mainstay in this Indians outfield and uh, be the force that helps us catch the Twins right now. Yeah, that's weird that you guys are chasing the Twins. <laughs> Very weird, and we're it's, four games back right now. Yeah, that's that's strange. That's a it's a weird thing going on right now. But again, I mean the Red Sox and the Yankees are chasing the Rays. So how crazy is everything right now? <laughs> Baseball is a funny game. Yep. It's a it's a funny game like that. But hey, thank you so much for listening, gentlemen. Thank you guys for being a part of it and carrying my uh, my goofy ass throughout this thing. <laughs> um, until next week, we stay gap to gap. Have a good one. See you.